88K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. The Justice Secretary defends planned extradition legislation against fresh criticism. Occupy movement activist Joshua Wong warns that the extradition issue might be the next big battlefield for people defending democracy and judicial independence. And the ADB warns of slowing growth in Hong Kong and China. Justice Secretary Theresa Cheng has brushed aside concerns that the government is lowering the threshold for evidence to surrender fugitives in a case-by-case basis. The administration has proposed that judges or magistrates from other jurisdictions are not required to authenticate the documents before extradition requests are made. The Hong Kong Bar Association has questioned the proposal, saying it's not necessary unless the government plans to bring in requirements that are more lax. This is what Ms Cheng had to say at LegCo. Then you assume it is lowering the threshold, right? In the existing ordinance, the provisions say that documents from the other jurisdiction can be submitted via the courts or the relevant government authorities in the courts. As a matter of practice, it has happened both from courts submissions as well as governmental department submissions from foreign jurisdictions sending the documents to Hong Kong. Thirteen media groups have issued a joint statement opposing a government plan to amend extradition laws that would allow suspects to be transferred to places not covered by current agreements. Priscilla Ng reports. Thirteen media and journalist groups, as well as the head of the School of Journalism at the Chinese University, issued a joint statement saying they're not reassured by the government's claims that the amendments won't include charges relating to spying or leaking of state secrets. The statement said over the years, journalists have been charged or harassed by mainland authorities under offenses covered by the amendment. It gave examples, including officers searching a hotel room of a now-TV journalist in Sichuan for four hours, accusing her of possessing drugs and essentially preventing her from interviewing a mainland activist. The statement said the proposed amendments would make it possible for mainland authorities to demand the surrender of journalists in Hong Kong and would deal a further blow to the already limited freedom of speech still enjoyed here. Speaking through an interpreter, the chief executive, Carrie Lam, has responded to the Bar Association's criticism of the planned legislation during question time in LegCo. In today's circumstances, there is indeed a loophole. What I mean is that there is a gap so that people may use a legitimate means to evade something. Say, for example, in the case of the surrender of fugitive offenders as a result of the geographical restriction, in some cases, it is impossible to surrender a fugitive offender. Mrs. Lamb also commented on the measles outbreak that sickened around 40 people this year, saying she thought the government had so far been in control of the situation. Occupy movement activist Joshua Wong is appealing his three-month jail sentence in the Court of Appeal over ignoring a court injunction during the clearance of an Occupy protest site in 2014. The Demosisto Secretary-General has been granted bail since January last year, pending the result of the appeal. Before his court appearance, he criticised the rule of law in protecting activists.
It might be the first time for me to be locked up in jail. Uh, in the future, extraditional amendment might be a significant battle for Hong Kongers to fight for democracy and to protect judicial independence. I urge people in Hong Kong and around the world keep the eyes in Hong Kong and never forget activists, not only me, and more and more scholar, politician, student who might be prosecuted in the future. About 40 protesters have called for the vindication of the 1989 Tiananmen Square protest movement and the scrapping of the Fugitive Law Bill. With lawmakers set to debate a motion calling for vindication, supporters of the Democratic Party and the Hong Kong Alliance in support of patriotic democratic movements in China demonstrated outside LegCo, criticising one-party rule in China. Pro-democracy lawmakers have been launching similar motions annually since 1997, even though they're normally defeated. Li Chukyan, the secretary for the alliance, says the lessons from June 4th are still relevant today. What the students at that time protest against of uh, human rights issue and democracy is still very much relevant. And every day there's suppression of dissent. The protest against June 4th in China is labeled as subversive. So if China law is applied to Hong Kong, the law on subversion applied to Hong Kong, it would destroy the whole fabric of rule of law in Hong Kong. And it's not just damaging to the political freedom of the people of Hong Kong. It's also destroying the economic foundation. Economic foundation of Hong Kong is on the rule of law. The Asian Development Bank expects China's economic growth to cool to 6.3% this year, down from the 6.6% growth reported last year. The ADB's prediction comes amid slowing global growth as the U.S.-China trade war weighs on shipments and investment. The bank also warns that Beijing's decision to abandon efforts to stabilize local lending and loosen restrictions on shadow banking are adding to downside risks. It says mainland GDP is set to slow further to 6.1% next year. But the ADB's chief economist, Yasuyuki Sawada, says he doesn't see signs of a sharp drop in growth. What we have been observing, slowing down growth rate, is a part of a medium-term natural structural shifts. I think um, reserve required ratio has been slowed to stimulate more economy. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, Chinese uh, authorities are really uh, committed to uh, control uh, financial risks. So I think uh, taking balance of these two are uh, quite important. The ADB also trimmed its forecast for Hong Kong's growth. It expects the SAR's GDP to grow 2.5% this year, down 0.3% of a percentage point from its previous estimate. The SAR posted 3% growth last year. Here's Mr Sawada again. Hong Kong economy, Hong Kong China uh, economy seems to be uh, relatively uh, more affected by global uh, trend and global uh, business cycle. So uh, sluggish global trade seems to uh, leading to a, a moderation of Hong Kong uh, China's uh, growth rate, and also tightening external financial condition uh, is another determinant of this uh, slowing down. The corruption trial of former Malaysia Prime Minister Najib Razak gets underway today. He's accused of stealing money from the country's sovereign wealth fund, 1MDB. He's facing 42 charges, as the BBC's Jonathan Head reports. 
Today is the first of what's likely to be a marathon series of trial hearings stretching out probably for years. Today we've got the first trial which relates to a company that was a one-time subsidiary of 1MDB, then run by the finance ministry, borrowed huge sums of money from the civil servants pension fund and Mr Najib is alleged to have received funds via various routes into his bank accounts. So he's been charged today with what they call a criminal breach of trust, money laundering and and corruption. Brunei is implementing Islamic or Sharia law today. Under the new penal code, people convicted of adultery or homosexuality could be stoned to death. Thieves could face amputation of limbs. Hollywood celebrities, including George Clooney, have called for a boycott of the country's overseas investments, such as luxury hotels. Here's the BBC's Laisha Santarelli. Brunei's leader is unlikely to cave to international pressure. Sultan Hassan al-Bolkaya has been in power for six decades and he runs an absolute monarchy. He's also one of the world's richest men, with a personal fortune estimated at nearly $20 billion. Ultimately, his wealth is Brunei's wealth. And thanks to the country's rich resources of oil and gas, which are their main exports, a full consumer boycott of luxury hotels owned by Brunei is unlikely to make a sizable dent in the country's overall fortunes. But the negative publicity may have an impact. The British Prime Minister Theresa May has said she'll ask the European Union for a short extension to the Brexit deadline beyond the end of next week. Emerging from seven hours of talks with her cabinet, she offered to consult the opposition leader, Jeremy Corbyn, on the way forward. Today I am taking action to break the logjam. I'm offering to sit down with the leader of the opposition and to try to agree a plan that we would both stick to, to ensure that we leave the European Union and that we do so with a deal. Any plan would have to agree the current withdrawal agreement. It has already been negotiated with the 27 other members and the EU has repeatedly said that it cannot and will not be reopened. In an historic first, a gay African-American woman has been elected mayor of America's third largest city, Chicago. Laurie Lightfoot is a 56-year-old former federal prosecutor and practicing lawyer who's never before held elected office. She beat out Tony Preckwinkle, also an African-American woman, by a wide margin of 74 to 26 percent in early voting results, with most ballots counted. President Trump says Mexico is starting to take action to stop Central Americans migrating to the U.S. The White House Press Secretary, Sarah Sanders, said Mexico was holding a large number of migrants in the country while their U.S. asylum claims were being processed. The comments have been interpreted as pulling back from Mr. Trump's threat last week to close the U.S. border with Mexico. The Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has expelled two former cabinet ministers from his Liberal Party, saying he could no longer trust them in the wake of a corruption scandal. The party has been mired in controversy since early February, when one of those being expelled, Jody Wilson-Raybould, said when she was Justice Minister a year earlier, officials from Mr Trudeau's government had pressured her to help a large construction company escape a corruption trial. A judge in Brazil has ordered identical twins to pay maintenance to a child whose paternity couldn't be established. The men refused to say which one of them had sex with the child's mother, assuming they would be able to escape having to pay. Here's the BBC's Leonardo Rocha. 
The judge in the Brazilian state of Goiás said that twins used to impersonate each other to go out with as many women as possible and also to defend themselves from allegations that they were cheating on their girlfriends. A DNA test proved inconclusive because they're identical twins. The judge said the two men were taking away from the young girl her most basic right, which is to know who her biological father is. He ruled that each man will have to pay 30% of the minimum salary as maintenance. That's twice as much as other children would normally get in Brazil. Finance now and currencies. The US dollar is trading at 111.47 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 12 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 31 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 29,892, 270 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $63 billion. And now with the sports, here's Adam Chung. We start with local football. The top two clubs in the Hong Kong Premier League are getting ready for their opening match in the group stage of the AFC Cup. Local champions Kitchi take on Taipo at Mong Kok Stadium tonight. Also in their group, North Korea's April 25 visit Hang Yuan of Taiwan. Taipo trail Kitchi by just one point in their race for the local Premier League title. Our football commentator Chris K.L. Lau says they're not knowledge of each other will make tonight's contest all the more interesting. In their last six encounters, Kitchi have come up chumps mostly, and this includes three cup finals in a row. Now, Kitchi have years of experience in continental cup competitions, both in the AFC Cup and the Champions League, while Taipo returns to the AFC Cup after 10 years. Taipo are dark horses, and they have a formidable forward line, including Sandro and the Australian Harry Sawyer. Taipo's Wong Bai will again seek to control the midfield. Now, Sandro will be key for Taipo as he has played many seasons for Kitchi, and so he knows him inside out. Manchester United missed a chance to go third in the English Premier League as they blew a lead and lost 2-1 at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Wolves went ahead on a scrappy goal that bounced off United defender Chris Smalling and into the net. Wolves have beaten United for the second time this season following their victory in the FA Cup. Here's their boss, Nuno Espirito Santos. Tonight was a uh, was a, a good night. It was a good a good game of football against a fantastic team, and uh, with our fans supporting and a good performance. So, what can you ask more? For Manchester United's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it was his first defeat since being given the manager's job on a permanent basis. Their keeper made some fantastic saves. We uh, we created big chances, big moments in the game, but we just didn't uh, pounce on them. So. Um, that's football for you sometimes. Today, it's a 100% improvement from uh, from last time we came here, but still the same results. And that's your look at sport. To end the news, the top stories once again. The Justice Secretary defends planned extradition legislation against fresh criticism. Occupy movement activist Joshua Wong's warns, warns the extradition issue might be the next big battlefield for people defending democracy and judicial independence. And the Asian Development Bank warns of slowing growth in Hong Kong and on the mainland. And that's the news from RTHK.